This episode of Half a Star is sponsored by Popcorn. Not just that electronic song anymore. Today on a very special episode of Half a Star, and we do mean a special one, we're joined by Emily O'Brien, who is a Hamilton entrepreneur, who is the owner, founder, all-round cool person behind Comeback Snacks, a company that makes and distributes some really good popcorn. She's going to run us through a very intense and incredibly uplifting story. All that and more on this episode of Half a Star, where bad ideas make great stories. He's Justin. He's Benton. Take it away, Robert. I don't listen because it's a podcast, but if you feel that you must hear they are, then Ben and Justin, together they are half of a So listeners, this is a, a really, really great episode. We're joined by Emily O'Brien, but we want to do our due diligence and let you know that we cover a lot of tough subjects in this episode. Yeah, there are going to be frank discussions of subjects like eating disorders, substance use, relationship issues, and the criminal justice system here in Canada. So do yourselves a favor, take care of yourselves if you feel like you might get triggered by any of this stuff. Maybe give this episode a pass, but make sure that you go to Comeback Snacks online and support the business anyway, because they're incredible. And if you do decide to listen all the way through, you're in for a ride, an emotional roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> so Benton. Hi, Justin. How are you doing? I'm doing excellent. We've had one hell of a week. I mean, CM Punk came back, blew my mind. Spider-Man trailers out, blew your mind. Both things, though, both things require proper snackage. Ah, we're gonna enjoy entertainment. We want some snacks. What What are your top snacks, Benton? I'm a big uh, cherry nibs guy. I like cherry nibs. Okay. That's a really good one. Uh, back in the days when I could eat nut products, I was a big Reese's Pieces fan as well. Nice. But I do also like to keep it simple. Keep it classic, get some corn, and ah, pop it. Pop that corn. Pop that corn. That is my number one pick as well. Pop them a corn, <laughs> except when the kernels get stuck in my tea first. Yeah. Uh, today, Ben, I'm really excited to introduce to you the, uh, the founder and operator of a popcorn company in Hamilton, Ontario, a company called Comeback Snacks, and it's operated by the one and only Emily O'Brien. Listeners, please be joined by Emily O'Brien. Applause. Hi. Applause. <laughs> oh, no, no applause. Hey, <laughs> now, we were just discussing before we start recording, Emily, your outfit. You look, you look great. Uh, who's, who's it by? Who are you wearing? Well, well, actually, it's like 50 degrees outside, and so I'm on a back porch. And I'm actually wearing my, my grandpa's jacket, first of all, because it it's a celebration of life this week. And then I'm wearing huh. this, these, uh, I was going to go for a swim. And so I, I bought this bathing suit for my friend who started like a, a thrifting company. And I know that sounds weird to buy like bathing suit thrifts, but you know what? She's my friend. I know her. It's all good. We know how to clean shit. It's fine. Like I'm going to support her and her business. So she just, I bought these bottoms off her and I like them. So that's awesome. what I'm wearing right now. 
Great. Awesome stuff. Get, well, and I'm outside because the dog's barking and yeah. So. All good. All good. And it, it's great to hear you're supporting other businesses while you run yeah. your own business. Um, now, listeners, this episode's a, a little a little different because usually uh, we bring someone in, maybe a, a business owner, a, an artist, musician, a comedian. They come on, they talk about their work, and then they share a half a star story. A story so bad, it's good. Right, Benton? Yeah, that's that's generally the idea. And generally you and I are familiar with their sort of general life story before they get into their half a star story. Yeah. But you have decided to make this a little bit different. It is a little different because I heard the story first and it's so interlocked, interwoven with the business and the mission of the, the popcorn business. And that's what motivated me to ask uh, Matthew Serena, the operator of Hub of the Hammer, to say, can we get can we get this going? I want to hear this story and I, I want it on the podcast. And because right. I just fell in love with this story and I know it, but Benton doesn't. Which is also different because I usually do uh, very high levels of research on every guest we have coming in. And I have a, I maintain a high level of professionalism doing this podcast. Absolutely. So this is completely different for me. Absolutely. So, so out of left field for Benton. So, Emily, could you tell us a little bit about your business in your own words? And uh, we'll shoot from the hip. We'll get into the story uh, however you'd like. Sure. Um, how much How much window do I have here? I could take my time, but it's 2021 and people have short attention spans. So, you know, let's just... Hey, if they're, in 20, in, in 20... if they're on the what? podcast, if they're listening to this podcast, they're here because they want to hear Perfect. it. I mean... Good. Perfect. You're, you're actually, you're absolutely right. So in, uh, so I'm 32 years old now and this all happened when I was 26 and I was going through a very difficult time in my life and I was using substances to cope and I met someone who I thought wanted to help me get no, I don't want to say on a better path because I was on career-wise, I was on, I was on a great path. Like I had my own business, I was doing really really well at it. But he didn't think that I these substances benefited me, and and he was right. And you know, so he's like, oh, let's go on a trip. Long story sh- short, he um, brought me down to like a Saint Lucia and said that three days in, he told me that we were actually bringing drugs back, and I should have known. And you know, it was my fault for not reading the signs and you know, if I didn't do it, then, you know, these people knew where I lived and it was, it was just a whole mess. And, you know, I could have made some decisions differently, of course, but sometimes when we think we know people or we, or we trust people, we just do that, you know, and we always look at other people's decisions and think, oh, I would have never have done that until it happens to us. And then we're the ones asking for, for understanding or, or forgiveness. And so, Lo and behold, I ended up with two kilograms of narcotics dropped to my body. Um, and he, he had it too, so he wasn't innocent. And then I was put on a plane with him and I told him I don't want to do it. Like, I'm, I'm a very bad liar. Um, I've never done this before in my life. Like, I had traveled a lot prior to that. And I think it raised some skepticism as to, like, the intentions of that traveling and what, like, what I, what I really do on those trips, you know what right, I mean? Because right, right. When, when something goes wrong, everyone is so easy to just slap that label on it right like mm-hmm. oh, make sure you weren't doing this whole time uh anyway landed at pearson and got pulled into secondary and 
I wasn't gonna lie like I tried to you know hide it the best I could but sometimes your your body just tells a story for you and that's the job at the air like the airport staff is to really know those signs and I wasn't about to sabotage this operation because these drugs weren't mine and I wasn't about to play hardball hardball I just wanted to go home mm-hmm. and I think we if we were all in a foreign country knowing that things were very very wrong and we we were told something that we had to do to go home we would all do it mm-hmm. right so um yeah that, that's what happened and I got arrested uh two and a half years later after going through the court process being on house arrest spending you know time being mad angry and very vengeful I realized that I didn't want to be in that state of mind anymore and that the only way to actually move forward forward was to take responsibility for things that I could have personally done differently because everything every it takes two to tango you know although I didn't organize this whole operation I I didn't address my own personal issues and because I wanted to be strong or maybe I felt embarrassed by them because I was at an age where you know family separation separations weren't supposed to bother you and so yeah I went to prison for I got sentenced to four years and in prison I uh I decided that I wasn't gonna let anyone else's perception or you know I I wasn't gonna let anyone else tell me how the rest of my life was gonna be and that came in the form of oh you can't get a job with a record oh no one's gonna hire you or um just people putting this label on you for the rest of they put the label on you because Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know that's what we're used to doing and it's easy and so I started my own business in prison called comeback snacks so I could employ myself and others who had been through similar scenarios because no situation is the same um and then advocate for you know fighting stigma and fighting for prison reform uh, Mm -hmm. but also fighting for forgiveness second chances and helping people understand that mistakes are universal, but so is forgiveness. Mm. So I guess in a nutshell, not really a nutshell, um, that's what happened. Wow. <laughs> wow. I'm like cutting onions in here. Wow. No. That's, uh... Yeah, that's, uh, that's an absolutely uh, powerful story. And I think uh, we're used to having comedy on this podcast. And so yeah. it's nice to, it's nice to get some perspective on the range of human experience, I think, for sure. Yeah. Like, uh, comedy was a part of it. Comedy is definitely a part of healing. Laughter. Yeah, right. But yeah, no, we're very, very excited to um, uh, have been able to hear that story. Emily, thank you so much for, for sharing it. But um, my question is um, with your business, uh, I, I love the mission behind it, but why popcorn? Why specifically popcorn? For sure. So um, in prison, one of the things that brought us together was eating and talking about our experiences. And I know most people that watch TV or movies, they're like, oh, you get to cook in prison or you get to do this in prison. Um, So in federal prison in Canada with a sentence or a charge like mine, and I was a low risk offender because I'd never been involved like this before, but there was rules called mandatory minimums that basically you know it was a non-starter if you plead Mm -hmm. guilty this is it so um i was put in a medium security unit and 
then you have access to a list of grocery items because a lot of people are there for life. And one of the responsibilities of the government is to provide permanent residents there with food that like, you know, covers Canada's food guide. And so we could buy certain spices or apples, um, bread, meat, all that stuff, but only $36 worth a week. So this is not an unlimited budget. And then we also were able to buy things from the canteen, which is like snacks and like sugary things and things that weren't just, you know, part of a prison sentence. It was like things you have to buy if you wanted them. So popcorn, I always loved personally when I was growing up. Um, another reason why I actually started using substances was to kind of blanket uh, an un. I don't want to say an uncured, but like a a past eating disorder. And so I really wanted to create a snack in prison that could like allow me to continue on that path because I knew that it was like a dangerous spot to be in. Like you have limited exercise. There's a lot of anxiety. um, It's easy to lose control. And so I wanted to create a healthy snack that could maybe just keep me on that path. Mm. So it's kind of like a two there's a number of reasons why it was popcorn, but the most important was that it brought people together. It was a favorite and um, you can, people could just like put different spices on it. And Mm. then I would just, I started putting like random ingredients on it and it would taste good. And then from a business standpoint, I never had a business degree. I have like a bachelor bachelor of arts degree from Guelph. Uh, But some of these things you can just figure out. So I, was able to ask my friends for market research um, about like flavors and stuff. And then, you know, like popcorn is a relatively inexpensive ingredient to experiment with from a recipe standpoint. And so Mm -hmm. I knew that I could like play play around with these flavors and maybe create samples and eventually launch it on a very small budget. So Mm -hmm. that's another reason. Then the third reason was because I thought about different brands and stuff. And I knew there was popcorn companies out there. I, I knew that it's not new and, you know, be like, Oh, smart food, this or what? Yeah, of course there's like other companies out there. That means people like it. It's mm. not a scary thing. But then I thought about companies that actually did something more than just gave people a, a snack and a food. And there wasn't really any, anyone there for popcorn. And so I wanted to be in that space and I have a great business partner partner now who helped me, you know, find our niche and like that. Um, what's that chart you do? It's like a, it's like a quadrant, and you kind of find your space mm-hmm, on that. Mm-hmm, yeah. And so we were going to be like a popcorn company that could actually do, have more of a social mission because there wasn't really one that did that at that time. And you know, it's not a new item, right? You're not creating like, I don't know, fucking popcorn pancakes or something <laughs> that people don't recognize, right? right something that. Right. that you're creating something that people already are connected to in one way or the next. They either really like it or, or they just don't. But most people know about popcorn. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that was why. Nice. <laughs> and, so, and, and like a, in like a five hour segment, like that's right. So <laughs> yeah. Talking, talking about the social mission a little bit more. I mean, we've been seeing calls all across North America for a lot of different reforms over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, I was wondering if you could speak a little bit more about like the social aspect of the business and just kind of give us a rundown of that. I know you've sort of been talking about it a little bit here and there, but if you mm-hmm. can lay it out for us, I guess. 
Yeah. When, so when I went inside, I, I knew that I was going to build something based on what was going on in my life and, you know, being arrested and just being so misunderstood and being just like, I had no idea, you know, I, naive. Sure. But like a lot of people that also get arrested for the same thing also have no idea. And then you get arrested and you're charged with a very, very serious crime. And then you get thrown in prison. And so the social mission, I guess, is first um, helping people become more aware of like how human trafficking actually works because mm. it's very easy to disguise uh, human trafficking with drug trafficking. Mm. And that's what it was, right? You, you have someone who doesn't know what else to do when they're in a foreign country and they have to do it to leave basically but all people mostly see is the crime it's like oh what a what an idiot like what a dumb bitch you know oh she just wanted to go on vacation you know and like you see those those statements which like i don't really get mad about i just see them as like people are just so unaware of how this actually works and when i got to prison i saw so many girls who were in there for the same thing wow um and also people that had um just been trapped in horrible situations and just wanted to get out but also that were so talented and capable and want to see their their family again or they'd done things out of survival and not every crime is the same so i can't i'm not someone that's gonna say oh yeah every crime is you know every person should should have this right, right. because it, it's not true there are some people that do things to to profit and to have that image mm-hmm. but the most most people i met in there and then they want to get out and there's obstacle after obstacle and institutionally and socially so I want to create employment to serve as like a leg up for people because I wasn't afraid of sharing my story I wasn't afraid of I was more afraid of not sharing it mm, because wow. I, could, I couldn't live a secret life like I lived a secret life from the day that I was arrested to the day that I got sentenced because I couldn't talk about the case Right. You know, I had to pretend that everything was normal and fine when it wasn't. And that, right. that was, that's the most stifling thing. So, uh, yeah, you, you create a platform for people to share their stories. You create awareness. You show that people that get involved in bad circumstances that are, like, are actually people and most of the time good people or have tremendous, tremendous trauma in the past or were raised in just a horrific environment and they just wanted to leave and I I looked at my story and I was like I had an amazing family I had I lived in the house full of love and like I I don't want to say I had no excuse because no one is immune to substance use or or addiction and and making mistakes no one some people just have the resources to hide it better yeah. and pay for it to hide this to hide those decisions right. so that's what we do is we advocate for all those things does that make sense yeah does that make sense absolutely yeah, no, no for sure i i i will uh, i will encourage uh listeners to please check out uh the comeback snacks website comebacksnacks.com uh particularly check out the story section where um uh, Emily was kind enough to sh- uh, share her story in her own words here, but she also does have a video uh, that does break down uh, uh, in in a lot of detail as to what uh, what exactly happened and tying into uh, her business's mission. 
Um, now, Emily, can I, uh, I have a question about uh, a detail in that video. Uh, you mentioned um, you had, how much was it that you had to smuggle out of the country? Was it two kilograms? Was two, it? two, yeah, two kilograms. That ain't light. That's like, uh, <laughs> in the video, there's a, uh, there's animation. Was that, is that correct? Like uh, animated? Portrait? Yeah, that was actually done by an amazing company called Patio Inc. Cause I'm going to plug them here because they, it was right when like the pandemic started and they wanted to keep their staff employed and they loved the story. So they, you know, they made that whole animation video, which was amazing. Yeah. And, just and it's a great way to tell yeah. a story in like five minutes. Right. So. Yeah. Just to, uh, the animation was great because, uh, it really, uh, uh, a story that could be, that is quite heavy in, in, in a lot of respects, it did bring it, uh, uh, some levity to it to make it uh, even more accessible to, uh, to to your audience. But specifically mm -hmm. in, in the video with the the smuggling, what was it you had to wear in order to get it out of the country? <laughs> so it was actually a pair of spandex shorts, and I think I'm actually going to make a mock pair and put it in my store so that I can show people and maybe and maybe yes. people can try it on because it's like a pair. Of <laughs> It's like a pair of bike shorts, but with a, a slit in the front, like a, a kangaroo pouch, and then a, a slit in the back. And then I had to go to a, like a random mall in St. Lucia with this lady who I didn't know. And she's like, oh, we're going to go shopping and pick out a couple outfits, but I'm going to choose the one that you're going to wear. So it had to like be long and, you know, droop, just like cover yeah. that. But it was still like such a botched <laughs> such a botched thing and and now that i look back it was like you always wish like how do you not know but then at the same time what i advocate for is like sometimes it like your emotions and, and your desire to be home and to be safe takes over and especially when you don't know the consequences like you have no idea yeah right big time, right, so. Big time. so what does comeback snacks look like today? Like, what are we talking about in terms of scale? Is there a brick and mortar location? Like, what are we, what are we talking about? If somebody wants to buy some snacks, how do they do it? So scale, I guess, why I started it was to scale the mission and to scale like a change in perception. So that's kind of been, obviously it goes hand in hand with scaling the popcorn, whether it's, you know, working with big companies, corporations, like I do workshop workshops with big corporations now mm. about how to onboard um, certain kinds of certain kinds of individuals and and why they should and how that can economically and socially and emotionally benefit everyone. Um, from a volume scale perspective, we have been working with the Neil Brothers. Um, so you know they have like chips and salsa. And the founder, one of the founders, Peter Neal, heard about the story and he actually went through a very difficult time a couple of years ago. And because of what he, what happened to him, he saw why I did what I did. And so he's like, we want to carry your product. We want to do this. So we're basically across, well, we're from Manitoba to Eastern Canada distribution wise, oh. which is great. So we're in over 250 stores. We work with like, minimum of five like i would say 10 organizations in different ways so not necessarily financial but i'll mentor students like i'll, I'll teach i'll 
run a workshop, um, get them to share about what they're doing. And yeah, we've filed for trademarks in the US. So that's happening. Great. And I've, I guess my favorite moment of this year was having an MP visit my store, which is like the first brick and mortar store. Yeah. And she came down, she gave me a certificate from the House of Commons. Like, and that's something that, you know, the liberal government was fighting for. I know government and politics are like, people are like fighting to, you know what I mean? It's just another vehicle to divide, but that was the most important thing to me because she was fighting to change certain laws and rules that really didn't benefit anyone. Um, So yeah, scale cross country very soon and impact scale universal because that's what mistakes are. That's what errors are. And it feels so good to be honest and upfront about your mistakes and use them as an asset instead of trying to hide them because no one likes hiding forever. Yeah. Uh, I just, uh, I'm just over the moon that this is a story that is now part of the half a star like catalog. You know what I mean? Uh, And uh, usually whenever we talk to guests, uh, prospective guests to kind of explain like what the show is, we usually list an example. Uh, I think this is definitely one of the definitive ones that we can use uh, of someone owning their story, which could be considered a half a star experience, a thing that happened in your life that is so unfortunate or so bad, it would get a half star, but because of the story, something kind of good comes out of it. Like, and in this case, your business that is, uh, has this great empowering mission. Uh, some of the other stories though are uh, not quite, they're, I don't know, they might be empowering for different reasons. What do you think, Ben? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think generally what we're trying to do is is find the celebration and the silver lining within the within the half a star clouds. Yep. And I think like absolutely like like uh, I think we mentioned it a while ago. Like if we had a half a star bingo card of like the things that would happen uh, uh, in a half a star story, a lot of times uh, pooping your pants was one. Uh, uh, wardrobe malfunctions. Uh, Preventable, I think, was the free thing in the middle. The thing uh, it was always preventable for people. But uh, this one, I don't even know where this would fit. This is a, a thing. No, this is own. yeah. This is this is in a league all to itself. Um, it's been an absolute <laughs> pleasure uh, hearing your story, Emily. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing it with us. And uh, of course, yeah. and since we are on Hub of the Hammer, yeah, based out of Hamilton. Um, there actually is something exciting coming out. It's a documentary called Sleepers. What? Tell us about it. Oh, oh, okay. We yeah, want to know. Docu- <laughs> oh, a documentary. That- well, it's a docu-series. It's a docu-series called Sleepers. And it, it was um, directed by Ryan Furlong of Phoenix Films out of Hamilton. Okay. And it's a collection of three different stories. Um, you know paid for by Bell Five and actually made possible by Lamont Law in Hamilton. Great. So it's a collection of three Hamiltonians that have gone through tremendous adversity and came out the other side. And that's coming out very soon. So nice. awesome. we're going to like, uh, we're going to showcase it at some, at some Hamilton, uh, not showcase, but like, uh, what's the, what's the word? Like uh, stream it? it? Yeah. Screen it. Yeah. yeah not stream. I'm so used to saying stream. <laughs> and, uh, but um, yeah, it's coming out very, very soon. And everyone is invited to the launch to come out and nice. support 
support anyone that's gone through adversity, whether it's, you know, legally based, uh, relationship based, substance based, yep. financially based, uh, career based, anything, you know, because uh, uh, they're all, they often are all related. And yeah. I'm I'm in Hamilton now. Benton is in uh, Charlottetown, PEI, but uh, I know. Oh, I'll be, okay. I'll, I'll be there, but uh, uh, I'll be there, but uh, we'll definitely get the word out through uh, through the Half a Star podcast and Hub of the Hammer is absolutely yeah. gonna support this Perfect. thing. Good. And any more information you might have for us, please just uh, let us know at any time because it. Uh, We'd love to see this uh, this project. I know Bell Five; they've uh, yeah gotten behind a lot of really cool projects these past couple of years. Yeah, I guess yeah. I guess my closing note would be, if you are like mad at someone and are holding a grudge, forgive them. And you know, if you have done something and you need forgiveness, forgive yourself. But you also have to own it. So oh. that's wow. how healing starts. I, uh, okay. I didn't need um, to hear that. Yeah. Whoa. Uh, that See? is yeah. universal, darling. Yeah. Uh, wow. You're getting some male vulnerability here, Emily. That's yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, thank you so much for coming thank on you. here and sharing oh. your mission and your business with us. Uh, best of luck in the future. Best wishes warmest regards for a Shit's Creek reference I don't know um yeah how about see you soon because I'm going to be doing a cross Canada tour next year yes see you I'm just soon. on parole I'm on parole till January so I can't leave the province uh, well, yes. like... okay cool <laughs> but uh, I'll send you yeah I'll send you some more links yeah. everything send us whatever you want Update. we're behind it 100% great awesome can't wait yay all right listeners that was Emily O'Brien of Comeback Snacks based out of Hamilton, Ontario. Great local business, but her products are available across Canada. And as she mentioned, she's going to be doing a cross Canada tour, if I'm not mistaken. And this is the part of the episode where I usually do my final spiel, Justin, but I think I want to just leave Emily's final note hanging in the air. If you find yourselves mad at somebody, forgive them. And if you're holding on to something yourself in terms of a mistake, forgive yourself but you have to own it. We'll see you next week.